That is Beard, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Young Megan. Hello and welcome to another episode of Daddy Squared Around the World. I'm Jan. I'm Alex. And Alex, how do you know summer is coming? In West Hollywood, you mean? No, in our household. Because in We- West Hollywood, it's when all of the people emerge after having had their plastic surgery during the winter. In our house, it's when we start fighting over the air conditioner. Oh, God. It's an unholy hell. When I say hell, I mean it's the temperature of hell in our house, but just a little bit hotter. And that's because my husband refuses to let me turn on the air conditioner. I would say, to my defense, that I guess I was born on the surface of the sun oh. because I'm cold. It's cold. Let me just tell you that when we lived in Israel together, in the middle of the summer, I would wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and I would turn to my side and my husband would be wrapped up in a feather comforter in like... Fahrenheit 85 degrees in the middle of the night and I would be buck naked and spread eagle on the, I would when I got up there would be an outline of me in sweat on the sheet and he's wrapped up in a feather comforter so this is an area where we are incompatible Daddy squared around the world each episode we visit a different country today we're visiting Canada oh Canada wait Oh, Canada, Canada, I want to tell you. We have um, a friend. We have a, fr- a Canadian friend. <laughs> we have a Can- I love her. They say oot. Wait, listen. He's, yes. He came out. Yes, he came out. Uh, we have a Canadian friend whose mother told him after he came out that we shouldn't really make fun of him, but they're cute. <laughs> they're so cute. cute. It is cute. His mother told him, oh, yes, dear, I knew you were a gay because you wanted a Mac. Yeah. <laughs> so I, while I don't necessarily embrace that as an indicator of homosexuality, what I will say is this. I know very, very few gay men who don't have an iPhone. That's true. I was about to say that. It's a thing. And AirPods. Provided by Apple. Not a sponsor of Daddy Squared. But could be. Um, but seriously, like, if you meet a gay man who has, you know, a Samsung or something, you're like... Oh, you're, oh, oh, you're a Samsung gay, are you? This is terrible. And by the way, I'm sure this is not true in Europe uh, oh, yeah, or Canada. Absolutely. But in America, it's like, uh, it's a thing. Yeah. yeah, I think that should be a service, especially for Alex, uh, for Apple, that when you buy your AirPod, it goes straight to the trash. Yeah, I, I do. I do think that there should be like a checkbox when you buy it. That says, rather than go through the trouble of receiving your AirPods, putting them in your ears, and then losing them, we'll throw them directly in the garbage before sending them to you. Yeah, that would be very helpful. They are an amazing piece of technology, though. Our guest today is Brad Harder-Arichuk. He's an actor. Uh, he's well-known from the Hallmark first gay Christmas movie, The Christmas House. It's the first uh, Hallmark... Uh, movie not only not only gay but it's also like gay dads when so they say Christmas it. house and it's a gay movie is it like the music is it like house music is that what they mean I don't think so okay we haven't watched it it's not for free yet on like Hulu or something <laughs> he also stars in the series Aurora tea garden mysteries oh okay yeah. um so we're gonna talk to him uh, about being gay dad in Canada and And before that, facts about Canada. Do you want to? Oh, yeah, hear? I love this part. Okay, yeah, you ahead. do? Yeah. 
All right. So Canada was founded in 1867 with the passage of the British North America Act. Population is 38.3 million people. Is that all? Seriously? Uh, in 2000. And two, it's two, so funny because you, you, you think of Canada from the map as being this really big place. But first of all, I think geographically it's actually smaller than it looks on the map. Still, that's that I expect. Isn't it the reason why more. they accept so many like people from uh, internationally? Or and because they can, suck less. I don't know. Currency is Canadian dollar, which means mm-hmm. basically eighty-one cents. Okay, um, and the national you're food, not you're not ethnocentric, are you? Go ahead. National food is poutine. Poutine, really? No. What is it? P o u t i. Is it like polonium three twenty eight that you put on your salad? It's a combination of chips, flavored gravy, and cheese curds. I don't know what curds are. <laughs> cheese curds is just a thing of cheese. Oh. Okay. Uh, sounds very healthy. Yeah. <clears throat> Three things you didn't know came from Canada. Okay. Garbage bag. All okay. of these that are okay. lying around with okay. stuff in it. Again, I just want to say, sometimes I think you pull things out where I'm like, how the hell is it possible that the garbage bag was created in any one country? But all right, go ahead. Egg cartons. Egg cartons. Okay. Okay, that's actually a valuable contribution because until the egg carton, when you got eggs, yeah, they would, would just roll around all over the place where so you I, had to bring the chicken home with you and squeeze it. I saw, I saw the egg carton, and immediately when you think about it, you yeah. think about what did they do before yeah. that? Like, how did they carry more than one egg home? You, they put order. them all in a bag, but you had to carry the bag extremely carefully. And peanut butter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now there, now we're talking. Okay. All right. No, now that we've passed that, <laughs> all that's left is uh, go to the interview. So hold on to your eggs, Alex. We're going to Canada. We're going to Canada. Hey, Ian. Hi, Brad. How are you? I'm well. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're surviving, I think. 2021 with kids can be tricky. And it is, uh, it's a bit of a challenging time. You have two, I have one. So I can imagine, you know, you, you guys got double the, double the stuff to, to work yes. with. Yes, right? you could have three this afternoon. I, we could send them up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have one coming up here in, she'll be born next month. Get so, out. Oh, how yeah, wonderful. So we are, we are prepping and and getting ready for number two i have a question do you think that you have how old is your is your first kid uh our son kale is how old is he now 20 just almost 21 months oh Oh, i was like i was waiting i was waiting for years there and i was like how is that even possible um so So wow two so you do you think that you remember anything? Do you, do you remember what's necessary to handle a baby at the very beginning? Because I've forgotten all of it, and my kids are five. It's very interesting how when you move through stages, how quickly you just also just dissolve all memories yes. of what you did at those stages, right? Yes. Especially um, the bad ones. We we have retained a lot of it, and that is thanks to. Uh, some of our siblings having kids that are younger than our son. Ah. So it's it's been a nice refresher to be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is what we did there. Right, and did, Honestly, you, throw, did you throw all the stuff out or do you still have stuff? No, we, we always anticipated on having more ah. than one. So, so we've kept it and uh, yeah, we're set ready to go. That's amazing. That's amazing. 
<laughs> which was which was uh, worse for you, the first year or the second? Um, they both come with different challenges. Um, I think our first year was more difficult, not because of Kale, just because we had a lot of we were juggling a lot of different stuff in our own lives. Um, so that was more difficult. Mm. I'm so I am so excited uh, this time around. With, with an infant, even though we'll have a toddler and, an, and, and a newborn, um, to just be able to savor it a bit more and to just know what to anticipate as well. I think, you know, when you become a parent, the roller coaster ride of learning at the beginning is so intense that it's, uh, yeah, it, it, sometimes you just think you're going to be in it forever and before you know it, you're out. And then, and those are some of the most wonderful wonderful things that you get to cherish, you know, how, how cuddly and sleepy and, and just how precious newborns are. I love newborns a lot. I like Um, other people's newborns temporarily. (laughs) Um, I I have to say that, you know, I've heard the roller coaster analogy used many, many times. And at this point in our kids' lives, I uh, utterly embrace the analogy, but that first year was like, I don't know. It was like you get you're you're going down, you know, like a double backwards corkscrew, and it's somehow though physics doesn't allow this, it's all down. It just felt to me like I was just dropping and dropping and dropping, and I kept waiting for the the warm and fuzzy up. But again, yeah, you know, it, it sounds like you've had later. some of that. Yeah, we got some about two years later. <laughs> Well, you guys also had twins, right? Yeah, like, I keep reminding him that. It's so your different. your ratio was one to one. Ours was two to one. That's interesting. It's, that's huge, I think, right? Yeah. Um, mm, you know, interesting. And, and, and I think as your kids grow up, you're going to really appreciate what twins are. Uh, one of my cousins has twin boys as well. And, you know, yeah, like for them, the first really before the kids went to school it was it it was kind of like herding cats yeah uh, you know it's just constant right but it's also so amazing that the relationship that your kids are going to have is unmatched to any other type of sibling dynamic out there right makes sense yes I, we we see it. Thank you for these kind words. We really <laughs> no sweat. <laughs> we, we we loved the idea of like, oh man, wouldn't it be cool if we had twins? But you know, now having one. However, I will preface this: our son is a Gemini, so that's about as close to twins as you can possibly get in one child. It's just like from one mood to the other in like a nanosecond. I married that. Yes, yeah. you guys. <laughs> We're actually a throuple, both of us and him. Um, so let's, let's go back. Did you have Kale through surrogacy? We did, yeah. Okay. So we, we first started our parenting journey. We just kind of started with a conversation like, hey, like, I've, for me, there, there hasn't been a moment that I've never not pictured myself being a parent. And I know for my husband, it was, it was a bit of a different journey, but... We just kind of got to talking about it before our wedding in 2018. And uh, we're like, yeah, you know, like we should probably look into it. We've heard um, other friends with with adoption and different things that it takes a while. So we looked at adoption first and we really wanted to have a newborn. And um, and so we did pursue and and set up some meetings with a few adoption agencies locally. And it just didn't seem like, 
um, a route that, well, it, it, it totally was a, a viable route, but it was just, there's so many things about it that we just couldn't control. Um, first of all, like the number of newborns in our province is extremely low. Uh, so, and the wait list for newborns was something around, I don't know, three or four years. And there was a few hundred people on the list. I guess it's um, a good thing though. <laughs> that's right, a Alex? wonderful thing. It's a yeah. great thing for same sex couples in Canada. We, you know, we can adopt from other jurisdictions and that sort of thing in Canada. That's no, no problem. And certain areas in the U S allow for same sex adoptions. But other than that, other countries and other areas is very complicated and, and tricky. So we decided to also look at surrogacy. Mm -hmm. And um, when we started looking at into it, it was just, it was quite simple. Um, yeah, we, we just started to get the ball rolling, had a conversation and, you know, it just, it just kind of came fairly easily. From what I know, like Canada is like the, place for surrogacy i think that many people from all around the world go over to canada can you explain like from your experience what is the experience of uh, going through surrogacy in canada i think that uh, there's a thing where there's no compensation for the surrogate it's just reimbursements so how did right. that, the, the whole thing go so the way that surrogacy in canada works is gestational surrogacy is illegal but It is, it's an altruistic um, process. So that means that only applicable reimbursements can be paid back. Um, you still go through a legal agreement uh, with your gestational carrier and, and or if you have an egg donor as well. We had an egg donor first. And then when our embryos were created afterwards, we were matched up with a surrogate. In the United States, It's commercial and you can pay a surrogate and but the way in Canada is you they they don't allow you to pay or and or compensate a surrogate it can only be done via applicable reimbursements which have gotten a little bit stricter over this last year so before you go any further let, let me ask you a question about that I'm just interested in your opinion as somebody who has actually gone through it with with a surrogate. Um, you know, it reminds me a little bit, I'm going to use a sports reference right now. Something, really? Yes, I've never done That's this so before. <laughs> I might hurt myself in the process, but um, um, college basketball in the United States is considered amateur in that they don't get paid, mm -hmm. right? And there's something really funny about it because there's an awful lot of people who are um, benefiting from these people dribbling up, and I think they dribble in basketball, up and down the court, um, and they're not getting paid for it, right? And so I, mm -hmm. I look at this, and I understand on one hand the theory of we don't want to turn it into the business of selling, you know, renting a woman's womb for nine months. But on the other hand, she's not getting paid. How does, you know, how, how does that make you feel? Yeah, you're right, you know. Of the whole process, the person that should be I, that I think should be taken care of the most is the surrogate. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and if that needs to be financially as well, then I think that should apply. When we started our first journey, we went with an agency just because we didn't know anybody who gone through surrogacy. We didn't know the process. And so that's, that's where we went. Now we had to pay an agency, which is completely legal to do. 
and we had to pay the lawyer to get contracts, which is completely legal and actually something that was required by law for us to do. So you're right. It is a bit of a contradiction where there is organizations that benefit from it, but the one person that's doing all, literally all the heavy lifting cannot be quote unquote compensated for it. So it's, it's a very odd double standard and, and and something that we've, uh, Graham and I have discussed so many times where, you know, I, I think if this was a male issue, it would be dealt with differently. But oh. the fact, you know, you know, I think that that's part of it potentially as well. Um, but anyway, without going down that road, um, <laughs> the way that agencies do it in Canada, it they provide surrogates also strategies of how to use up their allotted expenses per month that are within the parameters. Of reimbursements uh, within an altruistic kind of framework. Right, right. Uh, <coughs> gotcha. So, uh, no, nope, get that. It just it threw me off to the fact that when when I have reimbursement at work for like stuff that I did, I feel like kind of uncomfortable to tell my boss here, like I I took that bus or I took that ride or so whatever. Why are you looking? You there? took the bus? I'm, I took in a, whatever. <laughs> I, I'm thinking about the army days. I'm <laughs> I took that, that you know, cab or whatever, which is uh, relatively expensive. I wouldn't want my surrogate to feel uh, awkward about reimbursement oh. and stuff like that. Yeah, so in our first, th- that was one of the benefits of using an agency the first time as well, is you have an, somebody that is is facilitating all that kind of stuff on your behalf. So by taking us away from the financials, at least in the beginning, it didn't make it awkward at all financially for her and which we didn't want it to be. She, she had, she has her own kids and, um, and, and, you know, certainly like we wanted to make sure that, you know, anything that she needed to make herself, uh, more comfortable and, and, uh, to make the pregnancy go well, uh, by all means, uh, go for it kind of thing. Yeah. And we got to know her so well and, and have become amazing friends. The, Does she live nearby? So she lives in Alberta, the province ah, over. Okay. So we just communicated a lot, kind of like we're doing now. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it was a little strange before, uh, before, <laughs> before COVID, when you would just always text and FaceTime and, and do whatever. But because she had kids and was there, in Alberta, um, and we're in British Columbia, the province over, it wasn't feasible constantly to be over there and, and vice versa. So we communicated a lot in the format that we've done in 20 and 21, and it worked really well, and um, we, we developed such a great relationship. In Canada as well, I think you, I, I, I believe a gestational carrier has to have had their own children first. Ah, interesting. That's actually a, a policy in Canada as opposed to here where No, it's, it's a policy here too. No, it's the policy of various surrogacy, oh. surrogacy agencies. Yes. But, you know, it's, not, yeah, it's right. not a law. Yeah. And with that, it brings about a very, very unique type of woman that wants to be a surrogate. There, our, our current surrogate is a friend of ours that we met years and years ago at our gym and reconnected 
uh, when her and her wife had a baby, mm. um, just with our, with our, our kids being close in age. And then the conversation just came up organically. And then at, at one point she was like, Hey, you know, I'd like to be your surrogate. Wow. And we were like, Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it sounds great. <laughs> you know, we, we hadn't, uh, we were kind of like, ah, we'll see what happens. She had asked us questions like, Oh, you know, like, she kind of asks us the questions that like, what does it entail? Like wh- what's involved and, and are you guys wanting another one? Like, yeah, we want another one, but this time we'd like to go about it with somebody that we know. Um, we want it to be, uh, you know, just a natural organic relationship. We had such an amazing experience our first time. So we just want it to be with somebody similar to that. And it just, <laughs> it happened. So did you, did you have embryos left over from the first time around? So you didn't have to do all that the second time? Yeah, we did. So oh, that, that nice. was a, a huge, uh, savings and also, uh, just, it saved a lot of time. So when we first initially did it, we had 10 embryos and with our first transfer, uh, our first transfer was unsuccessful. And then our second transfer is kale. And, um, and then we had one transfer with, uh, with our current uh, surrogate. Wow. So yeah. now, now our, our previous uh, president and governmental leadership here in America would consider... And you, you're going to go there. Yeah, would yeah. consider you guys in Canada godless communists or, you know, whatever, something like yeah, that. That's fair. Uh, fair yeah. enough, right? Um, yeah. and, <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, um, Sounds logical. Seriously, uh, what is paid for by the health system and what is not in the overall process? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Cause our health system is, you know, according to that administration, awful. It's just awful. Um, awful. Yeah. Yeah. Just horrible. With right? all of people getting healthcare. It's just disgusting. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Like why would you want to take care of people? That's just <laughs> repulsive. Anything that, so, so when we created our embryos, that obviously was at a private medical clinic all of her, oh, not all of her screening, some of our screening and some of her screening was done in any of our public clinics, which we didn't have to pay for. Okay. Uh, some of our stuff, like having, they had a screening for their uh, the surrogate. Uh, that was just a simple thing that they did. Other than that, when the implant, when they implanted the embryo and the meds that went with that, that we had to pay for, but everything else, like all, all the checkups that we do throughout pregnancy that normal people do. Once, you, once you're pregnant, everything is paid for. Right. Now, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question, but that would not be any different with a straight couple who were having trouble um, conceiving. It would be the same balance of costs or no. Uh, the only difference would be if that couple had um, benefits through their employer, a lot of those uh, expenses would be covered as well. And no such thing exists for uh, gay couples uh, from their employers in, in Canada? Uh, it does. Yeah, it does as well. It, it depends on your employer. I because see. Gra- so because Graham and I are both self-employed, we didn't have that. Mm. But also, <laughs> the, the surrogates that we've had... <laughs> Um, slash have, they're like, oh, I have benefits. I'm not going to use it. I'll just put this medication on my benefits. So that's kind of, you know, a lot of how, right. how, how that went. So, 
Um, I want to talk a little bit about growing up gay in Canada because uh, I just remember this morning that uh, the Prime Minister Trudeau uh, in 2017 or something like that uh, issued an apology to all the LGBT people for all the oh. hard feelings that they had throughout the years. Um, he's so dreamy. <laughs> he's so dreamy. <laughs> he is, isn't he? This, I don't like the beard, but he's so dreamy. I Please like continue. Everything. I'm sorry. This is inappropriate. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, so can, can you just tell us about your, your experience growing up in what is considered like the most gay friendly countries in the world? Right. Um, of course, uh, it all depends on where you live. You know, the, the more urban of a center, the more liberal, uh, it is, you know, in Canada, um, being gay was only, uh, legalized in 1969 so it it kind of was a very similar movement to the stonewall riots right. uh, and and everything that happened in the united states um and gay marriage has been around since uh 2003 i believe um yeah we live in vancouver it's tremendously gay friendly people don't look at you at all uh being a gay family here But I grew up in rural Alberta in a, in a farming community, and that definitely wasn't the same sentiment. Uh, mm. and, and it's unfortunately still isn't. Is your family still living in, the, in that area, and do you go back there? All my extended family is there, and I don't, no, because there's just no reason for me to go back, mm. you know, unfo unfortunately. Right. Uh, and, and I grew up in a Mennonite culture, which, oh. is, ext which is extremely conservative. Right. Uh, Yeah, unfortunately, that's, uh, that's just not, not an option. Please let me know if you, if you mind my asking. But no, does... not at all. It's, it's, a very, it's a very valid question. And, you know, gay rights and, and gay freedoms in Canada have come so far. And I'm so glad that we are such a beacon for LGBTQ rights and representation globally. But we still have a long way to go. We still have a long way to go. Uh, in a lot of our rural communities, but there is so much effort being done here and, and recognized and, you know, having, having public addresses and apologies like that one are very important to, to a generation of gay men that really forged the way for us currently. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, it, it's one step at a time. There's, there's a lot of work to be done and there still is a lot of, Uh, unfortunately that of, of LGBTQ youth that do suffer, especially in rural settings. But, you know, hopefully in time, you know, we, uh, we change that. So right? do, do you hear like homophobic still homophobic, uh, incidents in the news? Uh, they're, they're really quite rare. I don't know if I've ever had a, a homophobic slur directed at myself personally. Holy ever. shit. Really? I feel like I should do one right now just <laughs> to get, give you a feel for it. Uh, but I won't, because it's not that kind of podcast. Ironically, the only place that Graham and I were ever given a homophobic slur was in San Francisco. Yes, I knew that no. was coming. Really? I knew it was coming, yeah. I, I, Graham, now I want to know what they said. What can Graham they was just Graham was just so shocked, and I, I just... I didn't really think anything of it. I'm like, whatever. So, you know, uh, in a bunch of European countries, uh, surrogacy is specifically illegal. And yes. whether 
the reason for it is real or it's a fig leaf. Um, the reason that is largely given is actually a women's rights issue. Through the agency that we worked with during our first surrogacy journey, we met a lot of European guys that come to Canada. And um, the way that the facilitator of the organization did it is he connected us with a lot of other intended parents, which was very helpful. And to just talk about their experience, what our experience and, you know, he took himself out of that conversation so we could just talk candidly and it was very helpful. And we, you know, we've gone to uh, when we spent our honeymoon in France and met up with several of them and, and, and we have met, several of them here in Canada. Uh, And so it's just, it's a very wonderful kind of network to have with other intended parents because it is, especially for Europeans, it is an uncharted territory um, versus here there, there's a lot more public support and, and other things that we can access to give us some guidance with surrogacy. You know, hopefully some of this legislation in Europe will change. Of course, these sounds like, like I said, these sound like laws that were created um, by a group of men uh, because it's just it's just insane. Yeah. Well, I'm fond of men too, but they have a tendency to be a little wacko. <laughs> Before we go to the last part of uh, of the interview, I want I just wanted to ask you now with you have you you're expecting another uh, another baby. Is there something yep. that you're really not looking forward in the in raising up a baby? We have. A good sleep schedule currently and that losing that for a while again is going to be is going to be a little daunting but also the realization that it is temporary uh, you know i i'm sure you are all too familiar with what those insomnic nights felt like and you in the beginning you're you literally the thought of is this going to be forever like this am i ever going to sleep again <laughs> yeah um I'm like always a- all the time, but now we know kind of what a timeline looks like and when we'll fully get a full night's sleep again and, and what that looks like. And so that type of preparation of experience is, uh, is going to be something to, to really hang on to. Since I had babies, I, I'm kind of annoyed with people saying me, oh, I slept like a baby. I'm like, what? Did you wake up every two hours? Like <laughs> Screaming? What's, <laughs> what's that mean? No, it's true. It doesn't make any sense at all. It, all right. it, it doesn't. And it's a, it's a constant change, too. You know, Just when you think you've mastered a certain stage, like, oh, man, we got this. Like, we're finally here. Then you encounter the next thing. And another thing, people never tell you that once your babies start teething, that period doesn't stop for a really long time. Like a <laughs> two-year process. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah, and neither one of us has gotten to the other part, you know, I don't know, teenagerhood and all that horrible stuff, but let's just pretend that's not ever going to happen. Yeah, we'll talk in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, really, exactly. <laughs> well, Brad, it's time to come to the lightning round, uh, in sure. which I'm going to ask you five absolutely critical, hard-hitting questions. Yep. Um, and I'm, I hope you're prepared. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. What was your child's first solid food? Cucumbers. I was hoping for kale considering his name, yeah. but that's fine. <laughs> what is your current most frequent dinner? Pasta. It's Can you so be easy. more specific, sir? Oh, okay. Tomato uh, sauce? 
like <laughs> like a a chicken penne type of pasta. It's easy. He loves it. He eats it quickly and uh, without any uh, without giving us any grief. And it, yeah, <laughs> excellent. It's a it's a go to. What is a family cold or flu remedy that you guys, that you've had passed down to you or your husband has? Oh, gosh, I don't even know. Uh, You're from a Mennonite background. There's got to be something juicy in there. Oh, there's tons. I mean, you know, like making, like, chicken noodle soup. uh, You know, like, that's kind of the go-to. Sounds a little Jewish. Are you sure we're talking Mennonite and not Jewish here? You know, it's 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 a very you would be surprised how similar of a culture it is. Really, um, I think it's probably pretty much all the same traditions that you guys have. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, what is the first thing you intend to do once all of the restrictions of the pandemic are gone? Ah, <sighs> I mean, where do you even start? That's the point. <laughs> Right? Like, where do you start? Um, One of the first things that we would like to do, it depends when it happens, is we'd love to go somewhere with our kids. Mm. Um, We we missed a few family holidays last year, and so that would be really fun. uh, To break out of the current Groundhog's Day existence that we currently (laughs) have. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. Anything specific in mind, like, for... For for a trip? We had thought uh, we were going to go to Palm Springs with some friends, and that didn't work out. And we also had a Mexico trip planned. So it depends. It depends when all these kind of restrictions are lifted with the little one. So yeah, understood. We shall see. Probably just run up to a stranger and give him a huge, uncomfortable hug. Yeah. Yes, (laughs) I've been thinking about a random face licking on street corners. I'm with you on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, we live in West Hollywood where that's, you know, yeah, not it's at not, all. It's not uncommon. uncommon. Right, uh, right. And the last and most <laughs> important question of all, please name for us a gay icon from your country that the rest of us must know if we do not already. Celine Dion oh, is wait, not wait, clarification. They do not need to be gay themselves. They simply need to be a gay icon. icon. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> You are in a lot of trouble right now. <laughs> no, no, I know who our gay icon is. All right. It's, it, it's for sure Dan Levy. Dan Le- from Schitt's Creek? Yes. Oh, oh. that Dan Levy. Okay, yeah. no, that's okay. good. I like that. Yeah, that's a great icon. And I love Eugene, too, so that's fine. I'm, I'm yeah, all over it. He's also a gay guy. No? They're that? the best. It's like, his dad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I love it. Yeah. That's great. Uh, very good. Yeah. Um, well... Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and and talking to us. And when's your kid due? We're planning to do a C-section. So April 19th is the big debut. Uh, That's amazing. We wish you the very, very best of luck and and sleepless night. And sleep. Maybe you'll get some sleep. (laughs) I don't know. No, if if there are sleepless nights, it it means that everything's fine. As much as we can, and hopefully, oh man, hopefully she's a great sleeper. (laughs) But if not, that's okay too. (laughs) All right, Brad, thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Be well. Bye bye. Bye.
Daddy Squared Around the World Canada. Canada. Welcome back. We're back from the interview with Brad. He's so dreamy. <laughs> so cute. Canadian men are dreamy in, yeah. in general. Yeah, I don't know. At least the one we interviewed. And, 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 and their prime minister. Oh, yeah. He's a cutie. Let's look at options for gay men in Canada. Okay. So we'll start with adoption. There's yes. a public adoption, <clears throat> which means uh, that the Children's Aid Society in Canada connects children living in foster cares with adoptive families. Um, it costs usually up to $3,000 Canadian dollars. Wait. The prospective parent has to pay for adoption. Well, they, they pay. Me. They pay for the throughout the process. They spend money. Well, well okay, you do. Well, I mean, usually, I, I may be wrong about this. It's worth looking up. Usually, the government so badly wants people to be adopting that they help with things like that. But okay, that's why it costs less. Okay, so private adoption is where agency uh, who work with birth parents match children with adoptive parents. Right. Um, it costs between 10,000 and 20,000 Canadian dollars right and there's international adoptions which is agencies in other countries the problem with that is that not necessarily all of the countries allow gay adoption mm -hmm. I think in general with adoption what what I read is that it's all about what the parents of the children think you mean the biological parents the yes yes. Um, and that's why it, it makes it a little harder. Although I have to assume that there are plenty of cases where the biological parents are not even in the picture or allowed to be taken. I mean, you know, if, yeah. if, if the, 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 the biological father is out of the picture and the mother is, let's say, incapable, yeah. then, you know. All of the research that I found on adoption in Canada can be found now on daddysqr.com slash Canada. I just have to say that the common recommendation for everybody is to reach out to other gay couples who have successfully adopted just because of the process itself well, and the fact that not, uh, not everyone... What? No, what go are you on. Saying? Oh, no, you're go saying on. no with your head. Uh, not everyone is, um, is really accepting gay, gay parents, right? So... Yeah. So you should go in route that has already been walking, just to make it shorter. Look, I mean, no matter what you're doing, uh, we can't recommend enough that you connect with other gay parents who have already done this, whether it's adoption or surrogacy or anything else, because you'll never get a truer representation of what happened and things to worry about, etc., than somebody that you want to connect with. I have also not met a single gay parent who hasn't been willing to to sort of help each other and talk yeah. to each other about this yeah stuff. that's true and also i think that they're the less biased because when we go to these agencies right they're in a they're, it's a sales process when you yeah. go to the agency of course yes all right you have uh, also co-parenting a known sperm donor which is a little less popular in in canada nevertheless there are stories and there is now on uh, daddysqr.com slash canada the story of matthew pearson who went through co-parenting with the a lesbian couple so mm. him and his husband and a lesbian couple uh co-parent together and he says something that uh, you know we just we hear it all the time that the the upside of uh of co-parenting is the downtime that you get yeah which uh parents like us really need sometimes yeah i mean i 
that said, it's also a really important decision. Go co-parenting is not like just hey, every now and then I feel like having a kid. Like it's it's a commitment. No, it's, yeah, and uh, I don't know whether I would be comfortable, you know, having anyone but you be oh, the other that's parent. So sweet. Sometimes I'm not even comfortable with you being the other parent. I know. <laughs> uh, surrogacy. Uh, so for that, I think we should turn to men having babies because a man having babies is. Uh, a, an organization that works in the U.S., but it works also with Canada. Yeah, yeah. Let's um, and we talked with another dreamy person, <laughs> uh, Frankie Nelson, who is a board member of Men Having Babies, and is going to talk to us about the options and the processes involved in Canada. This is MHB Corner. Um, the surrogacy process in Canada is very similar to that in the United States, although we follow what's called an altruistic model compared to the United States. Uh, surrogates are not actually paid, but they have their fees or costs, re- expenses reimbursed, if you will. And, um, and those generally are set out in your contract. And so those can run you anywhere from twenty dollars to $25,000. And then there's expenses on top of that. So we, would, we started out with an agency at first. Uh, we met with the agency and then we um, talked to friends. We found a lawyer we liked who we met with and a clinic. Uh, sort of all started at the same time um, for us and anyone else in Canada. You would look for your egg donor first. Uh, you would hopefully make embryos, right? That's the first step. And at either parallel to that, you'd be looking for your surrogate or you'd wait after. It really depends on the type, you know, how much money you have and how long you want the process to take. You know, you find your embryos, you find your surrogate, hopefully a, a wonderful woman that, that you match with and that you can work with, and, um, and then hopefully you have a healthy baby. Once the baby arrives here in Canada, we do post-birth orders, as, they, as you would say, or we call it declaration of parentage, and you go to court pretty much, and uh, you have the surrogate's mother's name removed, and both the father's, if there's two father's um, names put on. We do not have to adopt our own child here or our partner does not have to, if he's not biologically related to the baby, he does not have to adopt. He automatically becomes father and that will hold up in court for us if, if something should happen down the line. I understand that if you're bringing the baby home to another country, you might have to talk to an international uh, lawyer and find out what you need to do when you arrive back into your own country, whether or not you have to, the other parent needs to adopt or you're fine the way it is. Manhavingbabies.org All right, so thank you, Frankie, and thank you, Men Having Babies. You can go to manhavingbabies.org for all of the information, and um, also they have a conference coming up soon, which is also talks about uh, uh, surrogacy in Canada in particular, but also about surrogacy in general. Uh, that would be nice to check out too. Uh, let's move forward with organizations. So uh, organizations in Canada, there are Eagle Canada, and uh, Brad mentioned it on the interview that every province in Canada has different rules. Mm. Um, I didn't find all of the, for all of the provinces, but I found BC Council for Families uh, for British Columbia, and I found uh, Gay Fathers of Toronto, mm. which is uh, also uh resource to check and especially if you want to reach out to other gay dads daddy that's qr.com this week i posted something on instagram that got a lot of interesting response what the thing about lube oh my god Alex. 
Uh, no, it was six side effects of becoming dad after the age of 40. And I thought I would, oh. would share it here because, just because I don't want to get let it slip away and disappear in the vortex of Instagram. Okay. Um, so six things. The first one is chronic fatigue. Yeah, by the, by the time you drop them at school in the morning, you're already basically ready right. for a nap. That's a given. Uh, dad bod, did mm. I say it correctly? Yeah. You're good, finally. <laughs> Oof. After gaining all that No, but weight. you know what? But you know what? You have known sperm donor down. Yes. For a while, it was really hard for you to get those words out, and now you're like clicking. Go ahead. So dad bod is, um, is you know, you have to sample from the snacks. <laughs> So, I don't sample from the snacks. It's all I eat is their leftovers. Oh my it's god, disgusting! Yes. By the way, Dad Bod T-shirts are still available on DaddySQR.com/store. Yes, you you need one. Sell, um, baby, sell. And yeah. the number three effect of becoming a dad after the age of forty is constant basic level of anxiety. Are yeah, breathing? and we think and we think that this is only because uh, for after forties. I wonder about that. I mean, I got to think that younger parents have the same thing. But yeah, it's all day long. Are I, they breathing? Are they breathing? Are they breathing? All right. Number four is your eighties music scene agent, right? Uh, and I, still superior to all of the other music. I wrote that educating your kids on Madonna and Kylie's early years equals to learning about dinosaurs to them. Uh, kids these days that's all i have to say go ahead lower back pain because you have to pick them up wipe their nose yeah. and wash your hands and and wash their hands yeah, and pick them up their toys parenting is all about bending over and like it's exhausting yes agreed the last one is that you know who Blippi is and who Lankybox is and who Ryan is and yeah. all these YouTubers who make millions and nobody nobody yeah, really and, uh, knows. i wanted to, i want to make a distinction between Blippi and Lanky Box and Ryan, because Blippi is is a quality kids show it's on an YouTube, educational and, and yeah. funny and good, and he's good. And the other two, yeah. that's all I have to say. Yeah. So Alex and I know more about Blippi episode than we do about Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> yes. Let's just say that the content is a, of a somewhat different caliber. Blippi is cinematic in its quality. You know, we, we, we talk about all these things that happen to us, gay men or men, after the age of 40 when they have kids, and it's true. Uh, it's also, you know, funny and silly. But I, I just wanted to relate something that happened last night. As we have discussed many times on this show, my husband is all about selling. Sell, sell, sell. He sells mm -hmm. our stuff, all of our used stuff. It's amazing. Um, and he wanted to sell one of the car seats succeeded and this guy said that he was going to come by and pick it up a uh, $30 pretty damn good price considering how much we paid for it um he showed up and I went outside to bring him the seat and it was a family of five in a small very ancient car falling apart and this was a Mexican family who spoke no English I mean next to zero English and were to me almost almost certainly here in an undocumented way in the country and trying to get by and i just looked at them and i looked at what it must be for them to be raising their family under these circumstances and i just have to admit here on the podcast that 
you know, it's not that this doesn't happen to me every now and then, but really it hit me so He came hard. home crying. It just occurs to me that I can't even adjust my thinking to the difference between the life that we live and the life that these people live. I mean, and you know, they were spending their money on a car seat to keep their child safe because that's exactly what you do when you're a parent. But when you consider that that must have been a choice between, you know, the money that they were going to spend on this car seat and the money that they could be spending on, I don't know, you know, food and and other things, I, I just... I I guess this is my way of saying that I'm not necessarily able to change the way I operate in my life. I still go around, you know, wasting money on things and uh, complaining about stuff that is really kind of silly. I'm not sure I'm really going to be able to change that, but I do want to take a moment and stop and say, dear God, we live in a completely different world than yeah. so many other people. And we are we are so blessed for that. And I just hope to hell that in all of our interactions with each other, with other people, we can recognize how good we have it and try to be as kind and thoughtful as we can be to everyone else. That's beautiful. Yeah. So okay, uh, sorry, sorry on a kind of a tough, heavy, whatever. No, note. it's yeah. it's right. I mean, you know, we complain a lot, and yeah, we it's like our and we our, talk about buying stuff, and yeah. and you know, and and we talk about surrogacy and and all of these processes that cost thousands of dollars, yeah. and we, it's not it's not taken for granted. I mean, well, I mean, we it, do take it for granted a lot, but every now and then we have to stop and come back and say, "Holy shit!" Like we live in a different universe. Yes, yeah, that's true. And we are very thankful for all of you who listen to us uh, every week. And we're es- yeah, pick it up. Pick we're it up especially. We're like- <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And we're especially thankful to people who send us messages on hello at daddysqr.com. And then there's the very, very special thank you that we have for people who rate our podcast. You know, remember, five stars are good stars. Do it. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next Next week. week. Bye. Hold on your eggs, because we're going to Canada. But say hold on to your eggs. (laughs) look at me look at me look at me come on say hold on to your eggs say it say it (laughs) hold on to your eggs (laughs) we're (laughs) (laughs) you can do it you can do it (laughs) oh (laughs) What's in your luggage today? Eggs. Q-R dot <laughs>
Club.